All right, if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17 for our study tonight. Luke chapter 17. We're going to get right into our Bible study. I just am so thankful. God is so good. Amen. He has been with us. He's continued to strengthen us. And you know what? He's given us this book, the Bible, for us to be able to study and to hear his words, hear Jesus really speak and to teach us. And that's why we're here tonight, to study the Bible. And so uh, you can turn to Luke 17. And let me give you the title already. The title of our message is, When You're Offended. When You're Offended. Uh, I was reading about one father who heard his two-year-old son crying. So he went into the little boy's room and found his daughter, who was four, in the room also. And suspiciously, there was this plastic bat lying on the floor beside next to the boy. What happened here? asked the dad. Well, the little girl, the daughter answered, he hit his head. On what? said the father. And she pointed to the bat on the floor and said, the bat. And the father was trying to figure out what had exactly happened. So he asked the daughter, well, where was the bat? And the sister confessed, in my hand. Well, sibling rivalry, huh? (laughs) I confess, I think I did things like that to my little sister. (laughs) But how would God want us to handle those situations in our relationship? Those things that happen in our relationships that tend to have us respond back probably in the way that was given us. Well, as we continue in our study here through the book of Luke, Jesus teaches the disciples on our responses and what we are to do when you're offended. And that's the title, once again, of our message, When You're Offended. We're going to be in Revelation, Luke (laughs) chapter 17, uh, from verses 1 through 10 tonight. 1 through 10. And... When you're offended, we're going to find four things that Jesus is telling us to do in this passage. And this is our outline and our points too. Uh, When you're offended, number one, don't add to the problem. Number two, don't withhold forgiveness. Number three, don't forget to have faith. And number four, don't neglect your duty. So that's our outline, which really works into our point two. So let's begin here. Number one, when you're offended, number one, don't add to the problem. Don't add to the problem. Now here in this section, we're going to cover verses one through two. And let's take a look at both those verses here. Luke chapter 17, verses one and two. It says, and he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. We'll stop there. Now we begin with Jesus here. He's now speaking to the disciples. And he, the he, there's Jesus, said to the disciples there. And understand this. Since Luke chapter 16, verse 14, where we saw the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed Jesus. Well, 
understand that as we flow into chapter 17, we're, we're coming off of that. Jesus has been addressing the Pharisees basically after they ridiculed him, if you remember. We've been, we've been reading, we've been going through studying in chapter 16. And, and even before and after verse 14 of chapter 16, Jesus has been trying to help the Pharisees see that they're wrong in their thinking, right? I mean, basically, we've been learning that they feel having wealth means they're being righteous. They're, they're righteous, you know, and they have righteousness in God. And so that's why they have all this money and they're into money. Well, Jesus has been speaking, really helping them to see, wait, wait, that, that's not right there. And, and we studied that in the last chapter. So here now in chapter 17, Jesus goes on to help the disciples to not be like the Pharisees. And especially how they didn't like what Jesus was saying. So back verse 14 in Luke 16, they ridiculed Jesus. They're like, oh, yeah, right, Jesus. They're mocking him. They're putting him down. Because you know what? They felt like Jesus was putting them down. So they turned around and did the same thing. So Jesus goes on here in this next section now. And what we're going to see tonight, he said to the disciples, when he goes on to help disciples, hey, don't be like those guys returning like ridicule back. Yeah, because they don't like what I'm saying or, or they think that's what I'm doing. So that's why as we get into verse 1, Jesus tells the disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. And the word temptations there is the word scandal. It's a little different from other places where temptation is, is, is uh, translated from the Greek word. But the Greek word is scandal, and literally it means trap. So Jesus is saying, in other words, you will be baited to do the same things. Just like what these Pharisees did back in verse uh, 14 in chapter 16. You'll be baited to sin in the same way. You'll be tempted, now listen, to retaliate just like how you feel you were offended. So it's like tit for tat. It's like re returning what someone did to you. Remember now, Jesus at this time, he's heading toward Jerusalem, right? He's making his way down or up to Jerusalem. And it's going to be the last time for him going to Jerusalem. It's there. A lot of events are going to happen. And he's going to end up on the cross and dying. So he's heading that way. So at this point in the life of Jesus in Luke, where we're at, the Pharisees are becoming even more hostile. Yeah, they don't like him. They don't like what he's saying. They're plotting and planning how to how to get rid of him. And so, in all of this, you can imagine the disciples are seeing this too. And remember, these guys they're they're ready to fight for Jesus, right? They're they're, they're ready, you know, to defend him. They believe in him. They believe he's bringing in the kingdom. He's a, he's the conquering Messiah here. So they want to be part of that you know, bringing in the kingdom, which we understand Jesus was first to die, rise again. Later, his second coming was is really when he's going to rule and reign. But here, remember, these guys are, are ready to fight. I mean, think about, you know, James and John. You know, hey, should we cast, call down fire upon these Samaritans who dissed you, you know, disrespected you, or, you know, we, we got to defend you. Or remember, when Jesus was arrested in the garden that last night of his life, what did Peter do? He grabbed the sword and he started just hacking away, right? Cutting off the ear of that servant. So these guys are like 
no, we're here. We want to defend you. We're going to fight for this king. We're going to fight for you, Jesus. So to help the disciples to not just now, but even in general and in their all of the relationships in general, Jesus wants to teach them in what God desires. So being th- that this is, you know, uh, uh, not what God wants is fighting things. Yeah, Jesus is saying, look, temptations uh, to sin are sure to come, but woe, sorrow and misery awaits those who lead others into this path, those who get into this path, who, who walk this path and then and then just continue this cycle, right? Because what happens when someone says something, we say something back, and then they some, say something back, and, and it's this cycle, this, this circle that goes on and on. So God doesn't want these disciples to get into this fighting kind of hostility with the Pharisees, even thinking that, oh, they're right, and, and, and it's Jesus, he's the Messiah, you guys are so wrong, look at your attitude, and, you know, the, and the Pharisees are saying these things, so God doesn't want them using hurtful words when, when, even when you think you're in the right. And with that, when you start getting into that, you walk in on that path, it's easy to cause others to sin like this, and it becomes really offensive to God. And so Jesus is saying, look, temptations to sin are sure to come. It's going to come. What, 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 what we've been talking about, how I've been helping the Pharisees see, even, even the last story told about the rich man and Lazarus, how they're wrong and they're thinking, you know, uh, they're, they're going to come against me and they're going to come against us. And we don't, I don't want you to just get rolling into the same thing and going back and forth. Temptations to sin in that way are sure to come. But woe, misery and sorrow are going to be come to the one who, who gets into this. And then Jesus says in verse 2, you know, it would be better for him if a millstone, right? A millstone was that large stone, sometimes as big as a person, that would crush the wheat, that like a, a, a donkey would, would roll over the wheat, right, to separate the chaff from the wheat and all the seed and everything. It's better that that millstone was, had a rope on it and that rope was tied to someone's neck and they were thrown into the sea and drowned. And so it's better you be drowned than stumble, he says in verse 2, uh, that you should cause one of these little ones to sin. Now, that could speak of children or even young believers. And here's what I was thinking. I was, what brought to my mind was, remember, a lot of this all started when when the Pharisees back, a few chapters back, noticed that tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus, right? In droves, in these crowds. And the Pharisees didn't like that either. They didn't like the popularity of Jesus, so they would put him down for that. And so here's these tax collectors and, and sinners coming to Jesus. They're believing in Jesus. But remember, the Pharisees have been hanging around too. And they've been listening in and making their comments and their mocking and putting Jesus his teaching down. So new believers, as children are, are easily influenced by example. So here's Jesus really trying to, to, to teach these disciples to be examples, to be leaders in this area, in this way, that the disciples need to be careful not to lead young believers to respond 
in the same way these Pharisees have been. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. And that's the idea for servants of God. And this is what, that's the idea that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples here as we come out of these last two chapters. So, Jesus is saying this, When you're offended, don't add to the problem by retaliating in the same way you're offended for it leads others to uh, others to more of the same. It, ju- it, just, it just creates this whole firestone storm and just snowballs. You know, I, I knew a man years ago who told me that he actually liked to fight. He, he liked conflict. He liked, he, he liked all of that. He said, it makes me feel alive. Like, like it, it, it gave him like this, this upness in it. So, so he liked that. He liked to go around, stir, stir things up. He liked to pull people into a fight and arguing and yelling. He, and, and you know, basically what was he doing? He's leading others into doing the same, into feeding the flesh, causing the sin, tempting them to sin in this manner. And I wondered, well, I thought, no wonder. He never had peace and he had a hard time sleeping, you know, he would tell me too. Jesus is saying, you know, don't add to the problem here. I mean, it's already the Pharisees are coming like this. They're retaliating. They don't like anything I'm saying. I'm trying to teach him these things, trying to show them, hey, the rich, like the rich man, you, you know what? You're in this dangerous place. You think you're righteous. You think you're going to go to heaven, but hey, watch out. And he turns to the disciples saying, watch out with how these guys respond. Don't get caught up into that. Don't add to the problem by retaliating in the same way you were offended for leads even others to, to do more of the same, basically. You know, some have gotten real comfortable, like the man I told you about, in their arguing, in their criticizing, in their fighting. But, but is that really the way of a believer is that really what a lord servant does is, is that really living the new life the new creation that he's made us to be is like being hostile and viciousness quick on your tongue is that really what god desires to put down the guy better than he put you down is that really what it's about are you giving into giving back offending words because you've been offended? Are you leading maybe that other person into doing the same you're doing? And like I said, it's this circle, right? It's this vicious back and forth kind of that that ends up erupting. I know it's hard, especially when words are said, things are said that hurt you. I know it's hard. And I'm trying to keep this in mind. Proverbs 51 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Oh, that's convicting to me. And maybe it is to you. Well, Jesus here is saying, look, temptations to sin, they're they're, going to come, you know. So watch out here. Watch out. So when you're offended, don't add to the problem. Let's go to number two. Don't withhold forgiveness. So when you're offended, don't withhold forgiveness. Now this is verse 3 and 4 here in Luke chapter 17. So let's take a look at those verses. Pay attention 
to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. We'll stop there. Now, Jesus continues with with this same thought. He's flowing here. And he says in verse 3, pay attention to yourselves. Right? He says, temptations are sure to come. There's all kinds of temptations. You're going to be tempted you know, to sin, to, to ridicule back, to be hostile back. He's saying, pay attention to yourselves. In other words, beware of that. Watch yourselves. Watch your own heart and attitude. Make sure you keep it godly-like, Christ-like here. But, he says, when those offenses come, like someone does offend you, if someone sins against you in that manner, you know what? Here's three steps. Take these three steps. And this is what he lists here in the remaining part of these verses. Take these three steps. And and number one is rebuke him. Rebuke him, right? He says here in verse 3, pay attention to yourselves if your brother sins. Rebuke him. Now, it doesn't mean to go yell at him, yeah, to go put him down and you better start, you better stop that kind of thing. But what it means is coming with patience and love, bring up the fence with the goal to resolve it. That's the idea. In a rebuke, yes, it's confronting the sin or what was said or the hurt that was made. But the goal is to resolve things, not to get back at the person. In Galatians 6.1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And then look, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. That's what Jesus is saying. In, in verse 1, he says, Temptations to sin are sure to come. Watch out. He's saying in verse 3, pay attention to yourself, lest you be tempted. But if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who who are spiritual, you, you who can see these things, restore. That's the key word. When you rebuke, you want to restore in the spirit of gentleness. I like what Paul said in Ephesians 4.15. That's another verse. He said, rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead, into Christ. So that's what we all are doing. We're trying to grow here into being like Christ who is the head of the body. And how do we do that in these situations? Well, you speak the truth, yes, but in love. So what do you do if a brother sins against you, if someone sins against you? Number one, rebuke that person. Number two, if he repents, then forgive him. And that's what exactly what he says here. Uh, and if he repents in verse 3, forgive him. Now, that doesn't mean, all right, if he doesn't repent, then you're not obligated to forgive him. That's not what Jesus is saying. Well, he didn't repent, so I'm not going to forgive him. He didn't come and say, sorry, I'm not going to. No, it means that, look, if he comes to you and he does repent, he's sorry, he's turning, and he realizes his sin and confesses it before, you know, fully forgive that person and do not hold the offense against that person. That That's really the idea. If he comes to you, he's sorry, he repents, you're reconciling here, then, you know, forgive them. 
Fully forgive them. Don't hold it against them. I like something Corey Ten Boom once wrote. God takes our sins, past, present, and future, and dumps them in the sea and puts up a sign that says, No fishing allowed. I love that. that that's how God looks at us, right? When He forgives us, he doesn't remember it anymore, right? He separates it as far as the east is from the west, the scripture tells us. And so that, that's the idea here. If someone sins against us, and if God does that for us, he forgives us in that way, shouldn't we also? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So just as God has forgiven us, we need to forgive that person who comes repents before you you're reconciling and put that away no go fishing don't go back dredge it up pull it up again so if uh, someone sins against you rebuke him if he repents then forgive him and number three keep forgiving him notice what he says here in verse four jesus says and if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now think about that. Oh, you, you guys made up everything. He says, I'm sorry. So, okay, I forgive you. I'm not going to remember. And then he does it again. Or he hurts you again. And then he says, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, 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 I forgive you. And then he does it again. I mean, I don't know. For me, I, maybe I can tolerate three times. And then, no, hey, get out of here. I'm not going to forgive you. Jesus says, look, if he sins again, even if it's seven times back and forth, back and forth, and he comes back seven times, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry what I did, I, I repent. Then Jesus says, you don't need to forgive me at seven times. No, or at eight times. No, that's not what he's saying. You must forgive. And even if... We're looking at this and saying, well, I'm counting seven times. They did it seven times. No, Jesus is talking about uh, when using the word seven is you must forgive always. You must continue to keep forgiving that person. There's not a, a number limit here. Remember when Peter asked Jesus in Matthew 18 if forgiving a person seven times was plenty already. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus answered, said, no, it must be 70 times seven. So Jesus upped that number to 490 times. So if you keep track, no, just kidding. What, what he's trying to say is that there's no limit to forgiving a person, right? The number seven is the number of completion, right? The number of perfection. And so it, it's an infinite number. So there's no limit to forgiving a person who continues to come back and repent and, and, and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I did it again, I'm so sorry. I mean, I think about, isn't that what God is done for us again bringing that up so jesus is saying when you're offended don't withhold forgiveness and make no limits no matter how many times a person offends you again there shouldn't be a limit to that there shouldn't be a limit to how much forgiveness you give Nobody should run out of credits, <laughs> right? Or like a video game, right? Oh, sorry, no more credits or no more stars there anymore. No, with God in our life, 
with what, how God has worked in our life and, and who we are as Christians are, Jesus is telling disciples, look, th- this is the attitude to have. When you're offended, don't withhold forgiveness. Make no limits, no matter how many times a person offends you again and again. The manager of this computer company, IBM, lost $10 million to a project he was working on. It failed, and then eventually that project was shelved. It was, it was canceled. Well, the manager was, was called into his supervisor's office, and when he went to meet him, uh, right away he sat down and told his boss, I suppose you want my resignation. Resignation? No way, said the supervisor. We've just spent $10 million in educating you. I like that. I like that attitude. What grace and mercy that is. But think about that, yeah? There, there, there wasn't a limit place. Well, if, if you lost... A million, you're out. Or, or a million's okay, but 10 million's out. There was no limit in that way. You know what? I am so glad that God never gave up on me. I am so glad that God's forgiveness wasn't at 400, you know, ended at 490 and it was 491 or the eighth time. I'm so glad that my second chances end up into, well, you know, that high number, right? Double digits or so. I'm so glad that Jesus died for all my sins so I can be forgiven. I'm so glad of God's mercy toward me. I don't deserve it. I feel so unworthy. A lot of times I just go, oh God, I can't believe it. I can't believe you You keep forgiving me. Maybe, maybe this time you won't, but I know my God. Now that's not an excuse to sin, but understand that attitude that heart that god has toward us and so in the same way i got to remember god died for all that other person's sin too right that if that person came to the lord and repented that god would forgive him confess his sin god would forgive him and why can't i why should i put a limit on that forgiveness so that, this, this is Jesus here. Don't, don't withhold the forgiveness. When you're offended, don't withhold the forgiveness. All right, number three, don't forget to have faith. We see when you're offended, don't add to the problem, don't withhold forgiveness, and then don't forget to have faith. Now this is verse 5 and 6 here, Luke chapter 17. and Let's take a look at these verses. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. We'll stop there. Now at this point, the apostles or the disciples, uh, apostles means sent out ones, and later they will become these apostles, right, of Christ and they will, after Jesus ascends, after his resurrection, they will be the apostles to share the message of the gospel, to receive scripture and teach scripture. These are the apostles. But these apostles, these disciples, these chosen leaders now, right? Jesus is, is sharing these things. And, and so the disciples says, increase our faith. In other words, help us to have more faith. I mean, how can we forgive like this without limits 
So in context of this passage, it's like this is a lot to handle. And I don't know, it is hard, right? If you think about seven times forgiving someone. I mean, like I said, sometimes after the third time, I'm like over them, right? No way. I mean, I, I, I can try and be patient, you know, but after three, I don't know why three for me. But it's hard. It, it seems like no way, God. But God is asking us for seven times or an infinite number of times, in other words. So imagine the disciples, yeah? They're, they're ready to fight. They're ready. What? These Pharisees, I can't believe they're saying this about Jesus. And look how wrong they are. We, we can see their hypocrisy too. And they, they probably very, very much dislike them already. And now they're ridiculing their Lord. Oh, no way. And then Jesus is saying, no, you got to forgive them. Hey, don't add to the problem, you know? Uh, 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 don't just... just don't withhold your forgiveness. What? Huh? I don't know, Jesus. This is hard. Yeah. And so they're like, increase our faith then. You know, help us so we can do this to actually forgive without limits. I'm sure we're all convicted in this area right now. And it's cha- we're challenged by uh, this impossibility. So Jesus answers them in this way. He says in verse 6, the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed. You know what? It doesn't take a lot of faith, is what he's saying. Even if it's so small, as small as a mustard seed. Back then, that was, that was considered the tiniest of all seeds. There's really a, a little tiny black seed. He said, if, if you even had that much faith, you could pray in your faith. Could, you know, Pull up this mulberry bush. There's probably this big bush here and they could grow pretty big uh, even to 35 feet and and maybe there was one there and he's pointing to it you know like this mulberry busher you can just uh, uh, pray and that in faith and that mulberry bush would just be plucked out and you could put it in the ocean it can happen like that so what is jesus saying if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed even a little faith you can pray and, and this mulberry treats like this impossibility could be uprooted and thrown into the sea. What's Jesus saying? The idea is when you look to yourself, faith is limited. But when you look to God, faith is limitless. Yeah, It's unlimited. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, He said to them, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, same idea, you will say to this mountain now, not just this giant bush, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So it's the same idea. It's the same thought. Jesus is saying, increase your faith. You know what? It's not about how much faith you have. It's about putting your little faith in how much God can do. That's really the idea here. So Jesus is saying, look, when you're offended, don't forget to have faith in what God can do. For this forgiveness is not found in you, but comes from God. That's the secret. That's it. I mean, I can only forgive up to three times and then my forgiveness is used up. And I look inside me, I, God, I can't do seven times. I, I can only make it to three even maybe. 
But Jesus is saying, don't forget to have faith in what God can do, not in what you can do. But forgiveness is not found in you, but it comes from God. If I may quote Corey Tim Boom again, is that okay if I quote? Well, even if you said no, I'd do it anyway. No. <laughs> Corey Tim Boom said, You never so touch the ocean of God's love as when you forgive and love your enemies. Isn't that beautiful? I, I only have a little puddle in my heart of forgiveness. But God, He has an ocean full of forgiveness. And I know it because He's forgiven me. Yeah, He's dipped uh, His cup into that water and washed me clean in that ocean of forgiveness so many times. And it seems like that never runs dry. Well, that's the same source of forgiveness that we can have as we put our faith in God to do that work, to give us that forgiveness. That's how that works. So don't forget to have faith in what God can do. I was thinking about how when I sit down and pay the bills, I take out my phone and I use the little calculator app. And, and um, you know, paying bills is never a fun thing for me. <laughs> it's it's one of those things I just want to get over it. Yeah, it's like this is just a waste of time. But no, it's not. But I, I, I don't like to spend all that time and, and maybe it's part of watching your money go, go, gone, you know, or something. But I, it's not fun. But I, I have the little calculator out and then, you know, making sure. Oh, okay, I get this much in account and I got this much bills and so kind of keeping track. Okay, how much can I pay? Da, 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 here, there, and and okay, I'm gonna be safe here. Or got to transfer money or not or whatever. So when I sit down, I, I, it's not, it's not the my most favorite thing to do. So I'm trying to rush through it and and I'm not really good with the calculator thing. Like you know, if you have a list of numbers and like, you know, like that, and then wait. That doesn't look right, you know? And it's like, what are you doing? I, I hate that because I think I'm, I don't like it, so I'm going fast. And so I make more mistakes. I'm going to get done with that, you know? So I'm trying to add, subtract, a list of numbers, and I make mistakes. And then all of a sudden, ah, oh, this isn't right. It's not matching this, and this is a big mistake. And But you know what? One thing I like about the calculator and, and, and on my phone app that I'm grateful for, really, even with all my mistakes, you know what? It's easy to get rid of them, right? You just push the C, right? Clear. Poof, it's gone. And you can go back, yeah? yeah it, it's, it's like it's never been there. <laughs> it's never happened. It's back to zero there, and, and you're back to the start. And, and, and so I feel good, like, oh, all right, all my mistakes are gone and no more record of it. Well, so it is with God. When it comes to God, His forgiveness, He hits clear, it's gone, right? And, and, and I'll tell you, that's where we can find with His forgiveness as He fills, that, fills our heart with His forgiveness that we can forgive others. And you know how that's done? How does that C button is clicked? How, how do we get that clear in our own hearts, you know, towards someone that as, it's as if it, it, it's never been there. You're, you're going back, you know. It's, everything's clear. You know how? By spending time with God. That's how. It's connecting with the Lord. It's it's spending time in the Word and prayer. And, 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 and when you're with God like that, it's like soaking 
in this ocean of forgiveness when you spend time with the Lord. When you go to Him and, God, I, it's just so hard to forgive like this. God, I, I, please help me deal with those things in my heart. You know, you confess your own sins to the Lord. He forgives you and God cleanse me of these these things and this attitude and the thoughts in my mind. And the more time, it's like you're soaking in that ocean of God's love, God's forgiveness, and it cleanses you of that resentment, the bitterness, the anger. It heals the hurt. And that's where God does the impossible. He fills our heart with forgiveness. So understand, it's not about finding that forgiveness in you or forcing yourself, but it's just going to the Lord and having Him help you and finding forgiveness coming from God. So when you're offended, don't forget to have faith. Faith in what God can do in giving you that forgiveness. All right, our last heading is don't neglect your duty. So when you're offended, number one, don't add to the problem. Don't withhold forgiveness. Don't forget to have faith. And number four, don't neglect your duty when you're offended. Now, this will cover the rest of our verses here, 7 through 10. Uh, but let's first look at 7 through 9. So Jesus goes on here and says, When he, one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field come at once and recline at the table will he not rather say to him prepare supper for me dress properly and serve me while i eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded stop right there so jesus in flowing with this thought he adds one more thing he brings in this picture of this faithful servant a faithful servant to his master so jesus is like hey you disciples you guys know you know how when a servant who's been working all day plowing or he's out in the field you know taking care of the sheep and when he comes in right at the end of the day there the master is is the master gonna say come sit down and eat your dinner relax now no he's not no the master will say hey Prepare my dinner, put on, dress properly, like put your apron on, your, your, your cooking clothes and serving clothes, and, and, and serve my food for me. And then afterwards, you can sit down and, and eat. That's what the master would say to the servant. And Jesus says, so does the master like thank the servant? Like, oh, thank you for doing me a favor here. I mean, you served me first and cooked my dinner first after working so hard all day long. Is the master going to say that? No. Why? Because he says in verse 9, he did what was commanded. In other words, that was the servant's job, right? His job duties included working in the, in, with the sheep, taking care of the sheep, plowing the field, and then coming back to the house and cooking dinner and serving it to the master. That, that's his job duty. That's his job. That's what he gets paid for this is his job description this is his responsibilities that are required of him this is his duty before the master so you understand what jesus is saying here so now look at verse 10 so you also disciples when you have done all that you were commanded 
say we are unworthy servants we have only done what was our duty so Jesus is using this as an analogy to teach the disciples that in the same way when when you have, you know when you've done when you have been obedient to what God has commanded you you should just say you know what we're unworthy there's no no need thanks but because by the grace of God we're, we're able to be here we're able to personally serve the Lord and we've simply just done our duty what God asks us to do before the Lord. I I think of it. We're we're just thankful to be able to serve the Lord and do His will. So in context of all that we've been talking about, when it comes to this issue of forgiveness, right? This issue of someone saying something to you and you you're tempted to say the same thing back and get into this whole thing. When it, in context, when it comes to this issue of forgiving that person, always be ready to forgive a person, having faith that God will help you and give you that forgiveness. It's my duty to obey God and forgive. That's my duty. It's, a, it's only what a servant is supposed to do, right? That's the idea. As a child of God, as a servant to our Lord Jesus who asks us to forgive others, as he's saying here in this passage, it's just our duty. God's not going to say, oh, oh, thank you. for Oh, thank you so much. No, it, it's what he wants us to do to be. That's what it is to be a servant of God. Warren Wiersbe said, the story emphasizes faithfulness to duty no matter what the demands might be. Now you can take this analogy and apply it to a lot of things, right? I mean, think about just in our Christian life and in what he's called us to do, uh, minister, share Jesus. But here, particularly in this flow of this passage about forgiveness, it's like, wow, I never thought about it that way, Right? I never, I mean, oh yeah, my, my duty before you, God, is to be my be, be a parent to my kids, and Lord, I serve you. you know, my, my duty before you, God, is to be a good husband or a good wife or, you know, be a good worker at work or be a good employee and all that. But how about forgiveness? How about whatever demands might be, Wearsby says, yeah? Are we willing to just do our duty and forgive. So Jesus is saying, look, when you're offended, don't neglect your duty to forgive others, for this is what a true servant of God does. If we're truly servants of God, if we are truly children of God, if we've been saved by the Lord, forgiven, given eternal life, if, 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 if we continue to be forgiven, right? First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from, from all unrighteousness, right? If He continues to forgive us and we're always running to Him, God, forgive me. Sorry, I did it again. Sorry, Lord, I did this again. Oh, Lord, help me. And He forgives us, right? And we're a child of God, then it is our duty to forgive others. So don't neglect that duty, for this is what a true servant of God does. You know, when the kids were in high school, um, <clears throat> anytime an opportunity came up for them to do some extra credit, you know, homework or 
work to, you know, help their grades. I always encourage them, take that option because it will help. You never know that last test. You never know that last report or whatever you turned in, but you can keep those grades up there, your grade point average up there. I, I you know, I encourage them, hey, do that. Take that, you know, do the extra work and get a boost in your grades. And and um, and they did that. They were real good at doing that. They are faithful in doing that. And, and um you know, when they do it, it's like, yeah, good job, good, all right, you did that extra, you know, I give them a, a little extra, you know, pat on the back kind of thing. But you know, sometimes we approach forgiveness in that same way. We'll hear a sermon like this or a message. We'll read a passage like this. We'll, we'll read other times when Jesus talked about forgiving one another or in places in the gospel i mean in the uh, epistles and and we'll come across that and and sometimes we just oh, it's so hard i don't know yeah and we we put it to the side and thinking oh it's too hard i i, I this is for the extra credit bunch yeah it's for those christians who like to go a little farther and they they like to do the extra credit work but jesus isn't saying this for extra credit yeah. Well, if you do this, oh, I'll pat you on the back, and I'll say, oh, thank you, good job. No, no, he's talking about just a servant here, right? Every one of us, every person, a servant to our Lord God, God Master. He's not saying this is just for extra credit Christians. It, it, it's not about, well, you know what? I'll just, I'm okay. You know, some sometimes, yeah, some kids are like, uh, I don't care. I'm, I'm happy with the C. I'll just settle with the lower grade and kind of cruise by. Yeah? You know, just getting by. That That's not what Jesus is saying. Oh, yeah, if you want to forgive, you know, only one time, that's okay. The rest of you extra credit guys, you can do six more times. And yeah, you can cruise, that's okay. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying it's our duty to obey God in this area of forgiveness. It's our duty to, to do what we're supposed to do in this life, in these situations that, that we face. And, and, I, and it's a hard thing. But God is there, right? It's not some extra effort we've got to make or extra credit for extra credit Christians to do. But what Jesus is presenting to the disciples is this is the foundation. This is the core part of who we are that we give grace that we give mercy that we're patient with those who attack us and hurt us and those who rebel against us it's a core part of our christianity that we are forgiving that's what jesus is saying i mean this is how god has been to us and the pharisees they're 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 really riling things up. And the disciples, I can imagine, are, they're getting riled up. So Jesus is talking to them here. Wait, wait. These are his future leaders, right? These are apostles to be, and he's training them right now. He's teaching them. He's raising them up to be those leaders, to be examples of what every believer should be. And so it goes to you and I. And this is hard. But Jesus is saying, don't neglect your duty to forgive others. Don't neglect that. Well, I want to close with this story. <clears throat> There's an old book called The Hiding Place. 
Many of you know that. And again, this is by Corey Tempum. I don't know why she just kept popping up today <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> but you know what? All the other quotes is because I, she's lived it. Yeah. And this is an excerpt, ex, ex, excerpt, ex, excerpt from this book called The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And, and many of you know she's the only survivor in her family after being taken to a German you know, concentration camp during World War II, uh, the whole Holocaust and everything. And she survived that. And she was released by, by uh, I think it was a clerical error. But years later... After all that, God had called her to travel around and share her story and share the message of Jesus and and, um, and just sharing how God had helped her, you know, through this time and throughout her life. Well, she writes of an incident that happened on one of those speaking engagements and how it really challenged her faith and the ability to forgive. And so this is what she writes. It was a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing. Betsy, that's her sister's pain blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people in Bloomingdale, the need to forgive kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. She went on to write, And so I discovered that it is not on our own forgiveness anymore than on our own goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command the love itself. Isn't that good? I read this to you because I keep going back to this in my mind when I first read it, ever since I first read it. And yeah, it's hard. To forgive. Yeah, it's difficult. We get hurt. We want to protect our hurt. We want to protect our heart. We don't want it to be hurt again. And it's hard. It's hard not to get angry. It's hard not to get resentful and have bitterness there. But I don't want to live that way. 
I don't want that sin in my heart. I don't want, I don't want that darkness there. And so you see, like Corey Temboom, we can all just go to the Lord, put our faith in that He can help us to love, to forgive anytime when you're offended. Let's pray. Jesus, I confess my sins, Lord, before you and the times, Lord, of unforgiveness, the times where I wrestle with that resentment and I play, God, the incident over and over. And God, I, I want to erase that, God. And I pray, Lord, by your touch that you would erase that out of all of our minds, the past incidents, the offenses, God, the, the hurts that were committed. Lord, we don't want to be living in that darkness, God, of resentment and bitterness, of hate and anger. Lord, it's all-consuming. And as Jesus was saying, we want to forgive God. We want to put faith in you, and we don't want to add to the problem anymore. But God, we don't want to... We want to do what you want and neglect and not neglect our duty before you. So, Jesus, heal our heart right now, God. Touch us, Lord. Free us of the bondage of resentment and the sin of sins of, of anger and hatred. And free us and heal us of bitterness. Pull the roots, roots out right now. And by your miracle-working power, God, flood our hearts with love, with forgiveness, with grace and mercy, with compassion, Lord. Wipe that dirtiness away and replace it, God, with your peace, with your touch and your healing hand. Again, Lord, fill us with love. I thank you tonight that we can study your word, hear your voice speaking through the, through the words printed on this, these pages, God. We find you here with these words, setting us free. The truth does set us free. And help us to live for you, to love for you, to forgive with your forgiveness and to be a faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's